curious about the power of healing, join us on this exhilarating journey as we share the wisdom and insights that can truly transform your life. It's time to embark on a voyage towards a happier, healthier you. So without further ado, let's dive into the captivating world of Healers Talk Healing. Welcome to this episode of Healers Talk Healing, where I get to speak with Dr. Emmett Miller, a pioneer in mind-body medicine. Graduating from the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Dr. Miller revolutionized healthcare by recognizing the mind's power in healing. His innovative approach, integrating meditation-like techniques for mental and physical well-being, led to the creation of integrative medicine. His renowned for introducing guided imagery and producing influential relaxation and imagery audio programs. Currently, Dr. Miller continues to inspire through his web-based healing center and his enlightening podcast, Conversations with Extraordinary People. Join us for an insightful journey into holistic healing with Dr. Miller. Well, wow. I am super, super honored and privileged to be speaking to world-renowned Dr. Miller. And Dr. Miller, everyone's heard your bio. We've had it right at the beginning. I'm just, I'm almost speechless, which is very rare for me. to be speechless. And what I think is so crazy is there was a few days ago, I was thinking to myself, I need to find someone who can provide me with a little bit of a more deeper understanding of the connection between mind, body, spirit, and how the change has happened over time, as I am seeing in in my experience of the world for integrative and holistic care. And it's much more a common conversation than it was when you first started your work and you are the pioneer of the work. And, you know, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm just in this space of, wow, there's so much, that you have done to change the narrative to so that I can be in conversation with just anybody who really does understand this overall, like we don't just show up and you take a pill and that's how we resolve what's going on for our lives. Like it's so important to have this holistic view. And there are people in my life who, who still my husband, one of them being my brother is another one who really are starting to begin to open up and starting to begin to have this understanding. But I would really love to know what was the impetus for Mm -hmm. you to begin to say, Oh, the way we're doing things, it doesn't work. It's in medical school. Mm. As I saw how how patients were being treated, uh, it was insulting to me as a human being. Uh, it was the the lack of real human contact with the patients. And further, I noticed that by having empathetic contact with people, they got better faster. Uh, if I was examining an injured knee, and if I stood back and said, well, well, it looks like looks like you'll have to do this to your knee, or we'll have to give you something for that rash, you know, I would 
reach over and touch the rash. Without gloves, touch the rash. And suddenly, because people are feeling frightened of this rash, oh, the doctor's touching it. Can't be that bad. I mean, it's some level within them. Or if I would touch that knee, as I explained to them exactly what was going to take place as they treated with the hot and cold soaks, and as they gradually exercised it and so forth, if I had my hand on the knee as I did it, they got better faster. I said, hmm. And then once your eyes are open, then it's difficult to not see that, um, and pretty soon realize that all mainstream medicine does is treat the symptoms Mm. other than surgery and surgery that's treating the disease but we treat the symptoms and most of the illnesses and diseases and dysfunctions that people have are the source is at the level of their emotions at the level of how they are seeing the world uh, at the level of what their self-image is. Uh, it's about how they relate with people. It's with how they relate to the spiritual level. And when you don't get those things right, then your body gets sick. And so if you're worrying too much about things, well, then you may start drinking and that you may be one of those who is tempted to drink more and more and more. And then that this becomes your disease as you first you have your ulcers from the drinking and later you have the collapse of your liver or, or maybe in order to deal with the anxiety that I have because I was being abused as a child and there was no one there to listen to me. Uh, maybe I'll just eat and maybe I'll eat and then I'll get very corpulent and then I'll begin to get all of these diseases that again, medicine swoops in with the pills to help you deal with the symptoms of what's there. And so here I was, and I also I had also the unusual background that said I had been a mathematician and a computer scientist, well, not a scientist, but I learned how to co program computers in 1962. So they were very new and very klutzy mm -hmm. and very much the size of a basketball gymnasium. Uh, but, uh, so I was able to look and I was able to see that there were things about how a human being dealt with reality and themselves and their illness and their disease and their daily life that was an, an analogous to how a digital computer operated. And I began to see that what we have is a kind of a biocomputer that's operating at several levels. We have a, we have a conscious level in, in which the things that we think of. And then there's the unconscious level that does 99% of all the work. I mean, that is you sit down and you read, but the only reason you're able to understand what you're reading is that your unconscious mind, your, your, your monkey mind was present when you looked at A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, yeah, and you learned, and then you learned to write the letters and then you learn the, to make a B and then a D and there was something different between a B and a D but that's one of them and so it's when you went through all of that hours days weeks months years 
you train that part of your mind. So mm. now you simply look at a piece of paper and you say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by them and so forth. And you don't even think about all those letters. So it's that other part of the mind that no one seemed to give any attention to where the problem arises. And I soon, be, we, nowadays, we have what we call post-traumatic stress disorder. And, okay, so you're in the army and your three best friends get blown up. And then you have a problem returning and you, you dive when you hear a bomb, when you hear a, a car backfire. Uh, you have a lot of anger. You beat up people. You rob banks. You beat up your wife and your children. Things like that. Okay. But what I realize is that because of the world that we've grown up in, we have all missed out in, 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 in Bali. And a child is not allowed to touch the ground until they're one year old. You just can't do it. They're carried everywhere. As we have been for centuries and, and millennia, but we don't have that anymore. Mom's not even there. She has to go back to work in two weeks, etc. So we have an insufficient supply of love. And the love that we get from our mother gives us a grounded sense. We know we belong because we learned it right there. And, and for father too, and the brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts, that's how we were designed to live. But now we're in, and, and the people around us love us. And if they tell us something, it's for our own good. But we live in a world where that's not true. Even the parents, parents don't know much about how to love a child. And you say, well, no child of mine is going to wear a dress or you, you, you will do this or you must follow along the family line or um, you, have to, you have to worship in the church that we go to or you have to do this. You know, and then you go to school and you must live up to this and you must sit in seat number four in row two. I don't want to sit in seat number four in row two. Well, you have to sit there. Why do I have to? Because I say so. I say, no, I'm not going to do it. Huh. So you think you're a wise guy. Right? What wise men? Well, I, I like to think I'm wild because I'm in the first grade. I mean, I, it's, it started out bad for me already. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And then your, and your army sergeant wants you to do what he wants you to do. And then every time you turn on the radio or go to the internet or watch television, you get a commercial. And all the commercials are saying to you is you're not good enough. You're mm. not thin enough. You're not drinking the right beer. You're using the wrong wash day detergent. And look at this. You could be here enjoying yourself in beautiful Tahiti. Or eh, the message is you are not good enough and in order to be good enough, you need to buy our product. Well, <laughs> there's no way we can follow everybody's rules and buy everybody's product at all. However, that unconscious part of our mind is like a high-speed computer, and it's hearing 
the message is over and over again. Yeah, they're all different, but they're all saying the same thing. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You have to listen. Uh-oh, it's all falling apart. Oh, there's a Democratic conspiracy. Oh, there's a Republican conspiracy. Oh, the, the women are out to get you. Ah, oh, it's a patriarchal, on and on and on. And it's all telling you that you're hopeless. You have no strength, what we call learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. And so we have been trained unconsciously to believe that we're, unhel that we're helpless. If you take a rat in a laboratory and you drop it in a bucket of ice water, that rat will start swimming and it will swing, swim for hours. It'll just keep swimming. But if you take a rat and you hold it so its legs can't move and it struggles for a few minutes and, and, and then it sort of uh -huh, and stops struggling, now you drop it in the ice water and it'll sink. Learned mm. helplessness. It's been uh, great work that's been done on learned helplessness. Look it up. Uh, mm -hmm. Look it up on the web. It's, it's wonderful. Well, that's what's happened to us all. And so, therefore, we're not able to heal ourselves. We're not able to become whole. And so, then when I, I finished, when I finished my training and I started the practice of medicine, and the problem was, how do you reach this unconscious part of the mind that's been trained? Mm -hmm. Because people will resist it. People resist change because they don't feel secure. And so you say, I want you to listen careful, carefully. Um, you know, you've been drinking too much. What do you mean I've been drinking too much? How much do you think I've been drinking? Well, uh, you know, I say what you wrote down, but I can tell from your blood level that you're drinking. Oh, who do you think you are? Yeah. All defensiveness, so they can't even hear what's a really important message. They don't hear it. Okay. And so what happened was I discovered some physicians who were practicing medical hypnotherapy. Mm. And I found out that by saying a few words to someone saying, I want you to listen to my voice. And as you listen to my voice, you're going to find that your body grows more and more relaxed. And as your body grows more relaxed, if you feel that you'd like to let your eyelids close, go ahead and let your eyelids close. It's a very nice way to speak to somebody. Suddenly, that person enters a state of very deep relaxation and you can operate them. You can take out their gallbladder and you don't need any anesthesia. Wow. Yeah. Uh, dentists, it's wonderful for dentists. You can pull teeth and do root canals. You don't need anesthesia. And you'll see somebody who's got a even a really bad uh, poison oak rash. Mm. And you guide that person into relaxation and have them visualize that rash going away and being covered with cool snow or something like that you know a half hour later the rash is better so what is going on here i really like it and i realized that that state of hypnosis is really the programming state for reaching to your unconscious mind so I then went on and learned and became a master in doing hypnosis by working with a guy who was really, really wonderful and created a whole new theory. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't new, of course, it was very old because back in the days of Pasteur when he discovered germs and he said, look, there's, there's germs in every wound. If there's no germs, there's, there's no, um, you don't have this infection that 
that spreads. And there was a belief then that all problems are caused by something out there. And that was partially right, and we've healed a lot of things by approaching it in that way. But at the same time was a fellow named Claude Bernard, who, was a, uh, who lived at the same time as Pasteur. And he said, there's an internal balance called homeostasis. He called it milieu interior. Mm-hmm. And he says, if there is that balance inside, then the body can resist the infection so you never get infected. And and now we've got so many studies indicating, well, for one thing, the balance. There's a balance that take place, takes place when your mind is at peace, when you feel calm being who you are. When you're not busy feeling ashamed or guilty about the past, the past doesn't exist. So you don't think about it anymore unless you need it. There is no future because it hasn't happened yet. This moment is the only moment that really exists that's right now. And so you can be at peace. And so you're not feeling tense and you're not feeling anxious and you're not feeling guilty and you're not feeling resentful. You're not feeling frustrated when that balance takes place, then we're talking about the limbic system, mm-hmm. the entire body goes into a different mode. As long as you're in stress, you're pumping stress chemicals throughout your body continuously. The stress response is, was learned by mammalian creatures many years ago. So 100,000 years ago, we had stress. It was wonderful because the things that stressed us were things like, hold it one second. Mm. The things that stressed us were things like an attacking saber-toothed tiger or a tree falling on us or a snake slithering through the grass or the cannibals from down the road coming trying to steal your wife or your kid or your pig or whatever. And in those times, you had three to five seconds to respond. Otherwise, you were dead meat, as they say, <laughs> for real. <laughs> I'm hearing everything you're saying. Right, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have this part of us called the amygdala, which sets off the spark that says, danger, 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 fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight, fawn or faint. But, you know, it's an emergency. Adrenaline pumps into your system cortisone pumps into your system, blood shifts away from your internal organs to your muscles of of fight. Blood shifts away from your brain and goes into into your legs so that you can resist gravity and so forth. So you shift into this stress-like place. Okay, 10, fast forward 10, 20 seconds. You got away. What do you do? You don't pick up your computer and start working or quickly make a phone call. You go, ah. If you've ever almost been in an automobile accident and it spins out, you know, or just found out that the biopsy was negative or whatever, you go into a place of peace and calm. So if this is a normal level of a person's activation the stress comes along stressing stressor the thing that triggers it your body reacts and more and more and more and more but as soon as you've dealt with it the stress decreases not just to the beginning point but below Mm. it's a period 
of recovery. Every organ system has that. The heart contracts, and then it relaxes. You breathe in, and then you breathe out. You have sexual excitement. You have the release, and uh, you don't keep going. It's, <laughs> it's sleepy time. <laughs> I know. But I mean, there is a limit. <laughs> and if you if you try to cardiovert somebody, and if you shock them during the relaxation phase, you can send them into terminal arrhythmia. Wow. So here we are in our current year that we're living, and the stress is continuous. And so our levels of corticoid, cortisone, hydrocortisone, cortisol, adrenaline, prostaglandin, cytokine, all of those emergency chemicals are constantly oozing into our bloodstream. They're toxic. Mm -hmm. Their purpose is to dissolve the organs of your body and turn them into glucose so that you can fight or run away. In other words, they are setting the organs of your body up for disease, and then sooner or later, you get one or the other of the disease, kidney disease, heart disease, liver disease, asthma, cancer, headaches. Oh, modern medicine to the rescue. Here, take these pills, right? Mm -hmm. so, this, uh, this is what I saw happening. And here was this marvelous tool of hypnosis where if a person simply learned, and whenever you feel tense about something, you stop and relax. And above all, do not make any decisions while you're emotional, while you're tense, because your decisions will be faulty. And this is because when you're in a stressed state, and you can tell you're in a stressed state if you're feeling angry, uh, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling resentful, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling those emotions, those are all part of the stress reaction. It's, it says that the stress reaction is when, you're, when your monkey brain says, there's a conflict. Mm. Okay, it's conflict, saber-toothed tiger, and that's all it knows. But because the brain isn't getting blood anymore, when we and also neurologically, when we shift into that mode, it shuts down system to the higher mind, your prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex. Your brain's brain cannot work as well. And so as long as you're tense and upset about things, you're not going to be able to make a good decision. I mean, those are the times when you're feeling tense. Well, I think I'll have a few more drinks before I'll drive home. Or mm. I've got an idea. I'm so angry at the person who called me. I'm going to smash my $1,000 cell phone into that stone fireplace. Oh, my God, what have I done? I'm when those are the decisions that we make. We make the decision to go too fast, to try to ru run the red light, to eat the wrong foods, to associate with the wrong people, to have an affair, to go gambling, on and on and on and on. So that's where our poor decisions come from, ultimately, which lead to the majority of diseases that we experience in today's world. Mm. So Dr. Yeah. Dr. Miller, I'm, I'm just... 
you talked a lot about the stress response or how we were responding to all of those, the stimuli and things that are happening. And you, you did mention, you know, like if we're looking at now where we are now, yes. you know, over the years, you know, we can all say just based on what we experienced that it seems more stressful, but I want to know from your perspective, you know, over the span of years that you've been working in the work that you've been doing, are we indeed a more stressed out society? It, we have, there's less community. There's mm. less, love, there's le- less respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, turn on the television and, you know, watch the, the presidential debates. You don't see respect. I mean, it used to be, hmm, I, I respect your opinion. I respect you for having reached that conclusion. And I'm sure that you did it with your wisdom and your caring. However, I do differ. And let me share with you what my opinion is. That's how it used to be done. Not anymore. Now it's, you're an idiot and I'm right. Mm. That's all there is to it. I mean, at the highest level, I mean, uh, the, our, you know, our society, uh, the culture we live in, is so corrupt at this point. The drive for money, our belief is more is better, especially more money or more beauty, more more everything except the weight. Less weight, the better, better, right? So it's like, you know, 30 to 50% of the women in higher educational institutions um, are dealing with anorexic problems. Mm. have enormous lack of acceptance of themselves. Um, um, little girls from the time they hit, you know, junior high school and high school. Yeah. If you look at kids have great self-esteem, but your moment you get to that point where now you're beginning to have this, these, the kind of social relationships Boys' self-esteem tends to keep going up. It's not quite as fast, but Mm -hmm. girls plummets because you have completely irrational standards to try to live up to. And, you know, and and I don't even want to talk about the existence of pornography, the hardcore pornography, soft carb, all, all of it that is highly, highly disempowering. Yeah, to females, of course but also to males. Mm-hmm. So all the kinds of things that our culture had that brought us along and we had respect and uh, we had loving support and the messages. We, we lived in tribes of up to 150 people. And that's why we have these big brains so that we can deal with 100 or 150 people that we love and that love us and maintain the relationships between us and them and cognizant that's why we have brains all mammals that live in larger larger the group you live in the bigger brain that you have it's not so we can fly rocket ships to the moon or so we can build computers it's so that we can love more people and have the support that we always had around and so we were surrounded by love but now we're surrounded by people that want to use us mm-hmm. that want us to buy their product and they don't care about us you know, I mean, you call customer service. Your call is very valuable to us. 
wait here for a half hour and then you'll have another series of choices that will lead to some really awful music and another 20 minutes of you know we love you <laughs> so that's why we have more stress and in in terms of the world that we live in is highly unstressed i mean look we turn on the switch and the lights come on we step into the bath and warm water comes out we go out and step into the car and boom, we go 35 miles away no that's a splendid we can television we live very wonderful lives that's not what's causing the stress you know if you were if you were a peasant in in, in france during the french revolution you, know, you were just about any other place that you go back a you know a couple hundred years or so that was stressful you know where the king can just ride in and say mm, i like your daughter i will take her for a week and you don't say anything about it or you get your head cut off that was stressful mm. what we're doing is that we're not supplying the other half of the stress response and people don't understand that and so they don't take care of themselves and the system that's supposed to be taking care of it is not paying any attention to it. So I decided I started what I called mind-body medicine or mind-body, uh, uh, the medicine of mind-body, emotion, spirit, and behavior, and relationships, mm. including the relationship to the environment, a holistic way of being. So even if we do survive, we're not going to have a place to live anymore from what i read you know if we don't if we don't fry in the next wildfire so i mean yeah these things cause us stress but that's other the stressors that we're putting in there so so i started in that practice at the time it was down in carmel california mm -hmm. and i started teaching hypnotherapy down at esalen institute on in big sur which was where all of this incredible new information from the East was coming in. Join the Miracles Directory where healers connect and wellness begins. Join a community of trusted holistic professionals or find your path to healing and peace. Visit themiraclesdirectory.com. Start your journey today. Mm. People were meditating. People were doing yoga in the 1970s yoga who knew yoga that was a skinny guy lying on a bed of nails that's what <laughs> yoga was mm -hmm. um there are the teachings of buddhism and and what was similar about it you know oh, here what we learn is individualism and competition you were born you were an individual and you gotta work hard to make it but mm -hmm. Over there, you are born as part of a whole, as part of that. Yeah. As part of that, a part of a family. And the, the goals of the religious teachings were to let go, to release, you know, just the opposite of what we're doing over here. Uh, and so as I learned about those and I said, oh my God, this is the answer. Our culture is great. We're fantastic for what we do, but we, here it is. And there's an enormous number of people are doing it. And how come we're not paying attention to it? Well, in, the, in those things where you're fortunate and unfortunate, I had 
I had the privilege of growing up as a multicultural, multiracial person. Mm -hmm. And so I had seen racism straight ahead and I understood how people were trained to be prejudiced and racist and sexist and ageist and all the other kinds of ists that are there. It's like we're so frantic to have something to believe in. I believe that my race is superior to your race and therefore I'm going to hang you. Or I mean, you know, it's kind of that's okay. I understood that. And all of these guys had slanted eyes and their skins were a little bit yellowish, so they couldn't possibly have anything to teach us with mm. our PhDs and MDs and so forth. So I said, hey, I'm going to learn it. So I created techniques, non-denominational techniques, mm -hmm. where I could teach a person to relax to a very deep state of relaxation, just as if they were had been practicing meditation for months. It take, takes much shorter time to get there. Mm -hmm. And in that state of relaxation, the, the advantage of what you can do is you can guide people through their lives. And I found I could guide people back to the day they first began to have that symptom, whether it was to drink too much or eat too much or have a headache. And I would find that that was a time of trauma, that that was, and we're all suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, on some level for sure. And now they have a word for it, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which means a systemic lack of support in certain areas, a systemic uh, um, experience of mm, running into challenges that you do not have enough wisdom or support to know how to handle it well, and so you react a certain way inside. Well, dad always comes home drunk and beats up mother. So inside me, I said, well, you know, men are no good and all men are going to react and they're all going to beat up on you. So I'm going to protect myself by avoiding men or anything to do with it. Okay. <laughs> and that was a good solution to someone who's three years old, mm -hmm. but we're still doing it. Yeah. But we don't know it. And so all of those things, and again, all of the things that were that causes anxiety and, and anger and fear and distress and worry and the negative thinking and the, you know, just feel like hopelessness and helplessness that we have comes from this, you know, this continuous stress and trauma that we've been going through all of our lives. When I have a person relax, they can find the areas that are triggering the, the traumas in them, and they can desensitize themselves to it. Because you can now go back and you can visualize dad coming home and acting the way he acted, but you don't have to feel upset about it. Mm -hmm. You can look at anything in your past, and there's no need to have fear about it because you know it's just a memory. It doesn't exist. It's the past, and the past cannot come back again. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for human beings is the ones that I speak to too over, you know, the people that I work with and mm -hmm. just in general, like just people have such a, 
such difficulty uh-huh. realizing that it doesn't exist. It's only existing. You're keeping it alive. That That's memory right. is being kept alive because you keep going back in anticipation that it's going to change and it yeah. doesn't change. It remains, it is what it is. And the acceptance of that is the challenge. That's right. That's right. But every time a person goes back to it, they re-traumatize themselves. Mm-hmm. They kind of keep updating the anxiety, updating the stress, and updating the disease process that's going on in their body, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or behavioral or relational. And so we have four or five different spouses, you know, without understanding there's something really simple. So that's what my work was. Then the other thing is, yes, it, you can find the source of these things in people, and you can write a new program mm-hmm. for the unconscious mind. Like when you're studying ABCD, you're actually programming the monkey mind. You're programming the limbic system in the lower levels of the con- of the unconscious. And you have to keep doing an electrical computer. You can make your programming change, and that's it. Just once you did it right, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But for us, we have to repeat it. But in order to repeat the programming, you have to go back into that relaxed state that opens up the monkey mind for the reprogramming. And then while you're there, you visualize mm-hmm. the positive. So I go back. You know, and in, instead of myself um, giving my teacher a hard time, as I go back into memory, I say, this is what she thinks is right. She really thinks this is a good thing for you. And you're resisting her. It's just going to make her unhappy. And it's not really going to get anything for you. So, yeah, let it be. Sit in the seat and look around and you know, see the other kids in class. So you rehearse being in that way, or you you're, uh, you rehearse um, going on the next time you have to give a talk. Now you visualize yourself the last time, but this time you don't have the stage fright. You imagine yourself knowing that all those people who are here to see you. They're all loving people. They're good people like you. And they want nothing more than to see you be successful in passing on the information that you have to them because they will recognize it's valuable. So everybody's rooting for you. And then you step up on the stage and you deliver a fantastic talk and you receive a standing ovation. <laughs> you feel wonderful, right? Now you do that in a state of deep relaxation. The monkey mind thinks it just happened. And so you're giving yourself a new identity. You're someone who can look at the world differently, who can express themselves, who has self-confidence. And then finally, I teach people to look forward into the future and see the next challenge that they have coming up and visualize them, handle it according to the new me, Mm -hmm. the new person. And then, I mean... I've been so incredibly fortunate to have dropped into each of these places to be a, a programmer, to have a multiple racial background, uh, to have discovered, like have gone to medical school, to have discovered hypnosis. They invented the cassette tape, the audio cassette. <laughs> yes. And now 
people could listen to my incredibly soothing and relaxing voice and close their eyes wherever they are. One of the most um, enjoyable 10 or 15 minute moments in their life today is listening to this tape and it will guide them where they need to go. Do the desensitization and rescripting and also rewiring because the brain, the, the nervous system literally rewires itself as you do this and then have them visualize the future and then go about their business. And so that became my practice. So in 1970, in 1973, I published my first book called Mind Body Medicine Introduction to a New Form of Holistic Thinking and Medicine. And in 1974, I got rid of my um, x ray machine, and I got rid of my examining table, and I got rid of all the stethoscopes and needles and, <laughs> and drugs and so forth. And because everybody who lived in the Monterey area knew where they could come. And mm. so I had a very thriving practice. And I just moved up to, I moved up to Stanford because the chief of the outpatient medical clinic wanted me to come up and teach the. Uh, the residents who were, who were there. So I moved up to the Bay Area. And since then, I've been practicing the kind of medicine that I do. And and now, <laughs> and, you, know, now you know, now I'm an old guy. I don't be, and, and I don't live down there anymore. I live up in the foothills in a beautiful place. I finally found a place that I felt at home and I'm mm. here. And, uh, the blessing was the pandemic because now everybody knows how to use Zoom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise for so many things, if you can look it, at it that way. It is. And it's so important to always look at the sunny side. You know, mm. there's always a silver lining. You can't know. And I mean, that's, I mean, the, the, the spiritual teachers have taught us that. Always. I remember uh, a nun, they were interviewing a nun who was part of a convent. There had been a big fire. Mm -hmm. The convent burned down, the monastery burned down, the church burned down. And, uh, and you know, so now it's like for the last 10 years, the uh, radio uh, news announcers and so forth. Well, how do you feel about that? <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that that lion ate your favorite? Well, I feel awesome. Well, <laughs> such a positive feeling. Yeah, we want you know, we want you to cry. We want you to cry. So, yeah. To the nun, how do you how do you feel about that? She says, "Well, I feel I feel blessed because I know that God doesn't do anything unless it's from my teaching, and that there's something that I need to learn." And God realizes that by eliminating a convent, I will have to move to a new level in myself. So I give prayers of thank you. Right? Or, you know, or Mother Teresa, when they mm. said, you know, how do you, you see the poorest of the poor and the sickest of the sick, and they're all, most of them are dead within a week or two. Don't you get depressed? And she said, depressed? How could I be depressed? 
I look in their eyes and I see Jesus. Mm. How could I be depressed? You know, what's your follow-up question? <laughs> After that, right? There's a faith. There's a faith. And we had it when we had our mother. And now every year, the number of people who believe in any kind of faith is going down, down, down. Yeah. And again, it's our culture that's that's doing it. Whereas if you really sit down and you really look at what the religions are saying, they're all saying the same thing. It just looks different, just like our food looks different, our languages sound different. And, you know, our gods look different, you know, mine's a, an old white guy with a long white beard sitting on a throne up there. And mine is a guy that has 10 arms like this. And, you know, you know, mine is a, is a, is a monkey riding on a turtle. You know, it's, it's like, but when you get down to it, they're all telling you the same thing. Mm -hmm. So whatever happens, whatever happens, another super important lesson to what I've been doing cut a long story short, is trying to help people understand some of these fundamental facts about their lives and your illness, your pain, um, the tragedy in your life. Yes, it's terrible. And it's important that you cry. It's important that you grieve, grieve in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And then go to that peaceful place and contact your spiritual center and open yourself to the teaching that's available to you there. So that I can't tell you how many people I've heard say cancer was one of the greatest gifts in my life. You know, so things like that, because that's where we need to be, is to be able to be in the current moment to be at peace, and then we don't fall for the tricks. Mm. We have we have what we're seeing in our media all around, all, all the stuff that's reaching us is being designed by what are called, they're psychologists, they have PhDs, they are attention specialists, specialist to attract your attention because you only have three seconds mm -hmm. to attract somebody's attention so that you can sell them your product and what they're doing we're surrounded by uh, what's being delivered to us by hundreds of thousands of experts who know how to use mass hypnosis organized in such a way as that we're using this incredible media take a look at the kids playing their video games Yes. Um, yeah. Their their video game is always there. They're being robbed of boredom. There is no boredom. They don't know how to handle boredom. They go crazy. If they, <laughs> if you try to take their, their it's like you're trying to take their lifeblood away from them because they're being taught that you need something is about to happen and you have to be there for that. And if you're not there for that, then you cannot be at peace. So all around us, we're being surrounded by people who are scientifically attempting to keep us feeling anxious and afraid and to not discover how wonderful we are. 
and that mm. there's a way to look at the world. Basically, whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened that you didn't like, it's over. There's no reason. We are unhappy because we're comparing what we have with what we could have had, what we could have had, and now we don't get it, or else we're afraid that this is going to happen tomorrow and it's going to take away what we have. And if you're not thinking about the past or the future, the world is beautiful. The colors are beautiful. The red that you're wearing is beautiful. You know, the way your hair is these multicolored strands that come down like that. It's marvelous. It's beautiful. The sound of your voice is beautiful. And the breath that I'm breathing is beautiful. Okay, so what would we like to do? What would it make sense for us to do at this point? What is there in the world that needs some support? What can I, what are my talents and gifts and skills that I can use to make this world a better place for my brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts that are all around me in my tribe? Because that's what we're designed to be here for. We're designed that way by the intelligence that made us. Whatever you think the intelligence is, you got it. <laughs> it is pretty intelligent, you know, yes. and, and not the foolishness that we've been playing with for the last 10, 20,000 years, getting worse and worse and worse. But we have an opportunity to go back to that place. That's what our religions are trying to teach us. So how do we leverage that opportunity now that we're in the space that we're in? You know, it's oh. a conversation that I have with people the same way. I feel like, like we are kindred spirits. I'm feeling everything that you're saying is that there is, I believe and have believed for a long time or understood yeah. that love is the answer, that we yes. are not to be meant to be alone, an island. No man is an island. We cannot survive on our own. Where do we begin to interrupt what is happening? You know, people that you and I are working with, we're working with people who are who are already in a space where this has happened to them. And I'm putting quotes, finger quotes in the air. Sure. Where do we begin to say, okay, these are the these are the results, these are the symptoms, but how do we get to the root cause and how do we interrupt that in a in a society, in our society that you and I live in? Um, a capital a capitalistic society where it is about the dollar bill, like every, it seems like every, I know this is not supposed to become a political conversation, but it is so important because sure. of, you know, what you said, you know, where the messages that we're constantly getting, the way the governments are being run or who's mm -hmm. actually running the governments, which is not the governments. It's the people who have the most influence financially. Money. Yeah. So where do we begin to say, hey, this is this is not working and it's the reason why we are not going to survive right well we go out and we get an ar-15 and we <laughs> the bad guy <laughs> that's where people usually go with it no mm -hmm. it's just the opposite because the answer is inside of each one of us nobody has an answer for you other than to help you find a way to get to a place of peace and a place where you are comfortable being in the now. 
where you let go of the outside influences. So sometimes it's nice to have a physical place to go. Mm -hmm. If you can afford to do it, go off to that place in the mountains. Yeah, You want some support in getting there because the reason you're in the, the distraught place you are is because you haven't learned the tools learned how to use the tools i call them mind tools that are inside of us um one thing is find someone else who believes as you do mm. yeah that there is a oneness among us all and that it's only by our discovering that oneness that we can move to where we need to go. And all of the negativity, all of the put-downs and the judgments and the criticisms and the evaluations, all of that, we need to let go. So you find someone else who understands this, and then you have conversations with them. And you learn that you can trust this person and that you can be vulnerable with this person. And then you can talk about some of the things maybe that you've never shared with someone else. I mean, I know I, when people see me, I know how to guide them into feeling safe and they realize I'm safe. And so they tell me things they've never told anybody, which is right. If you're the coach or therapist, <laughs> it's the right thing to do, but you yeah. don't have to be, you can just be someone else and maybe you can find two or three other people because it's very difficult to make it on our own. It's important to have these connections. You might find um, writings. I, I like to go to Pema Chodron's writing mm. you know, when things fall apart, you know, or dealing with uncertainty in the world. Uh, such, such beautiful teachings or, 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 or Thich Nhat Hanh or, you know, even Deepak Chopra. And there are people around who teach that come from different places and there, there are people in the christian faith who teach that too that can be a place to go if if you're allergic to the word god because you've been beaten up by it too many times there are places that you can go and that's what you need that's what you need to find for me what i can do is i can provide i can be one of those if a person makes an appointment with me or mm -hmm. um i've create um once i learned the gimmick of, of how to do this uh on tapes so i started making tapes that i could allow other people to use back in the 70s and i distributed them throughout the country primarily to psychologists and psychiatrists and other people who really wanted to give people uh you know a, another tool to use mm -hmm. and in addition it began to popularize this whole notion of looking at stress, it popularized uh, using deep relaxation. And then I published the, the very first um, guided imagery, guided, uh, guided imagery um, meditations mm. uh, for people to use, um, usually with a, a certain amount of tasteful music in the background to help people grow calm. Um, and then I put them on the market back in 19, I think 77 or 78 is when we did that. And so now, and so they were available in bookstores all over the country. 
but was still such a bizarre idea to people back then. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I mean, now, you know, you can YouTube something and find something if you want to, to get that. Um, but honestly, yeah. where do we find yours? Have you, have they been transferred over now so we can find them digitally? Yeah, everything's digitized, digitalized. Um, there are many audios and videos and, um, training webinars and uh, I have a very rich site on the internet if you mm -hmm. want to learn about this you probably can what have I got I'd say you know probably three or four hundred hours worth of material whether you want to learn about healing or deep relaxation or or hypnosis or relationships on and on and on because I've collected that through the years and, and I realized it takes usually takes um, the public about 15 or 20 years to begin to understand what it is that I'm talking about. And you know how, how the culture does first, they say, <laughs> Oh no, that's awful. And, you know, and, and, and they reject it, mm -hmm. you know, and they fight against it. And then a little time passes and they go, Oh, look what we invented. <laughs> Yes, that's the way it has to be. But I mean, oh. if, you look, if you look out there, there's, I mean, you can easily find, I would say, 10 to 20,000 people who make guided imagery mm -hmm. uh, meditations now that you can use. So, so I, I, uh, I guess I have to appear on podcasts <laughs> well, and so we, forth to let people know. Well, we Don't say, we say thank you. Thank you to the Father who created. <laughs> this way of seeing things, you know, there was a time for me too, when I thought this stuff is all woo -woo and crazy. And, you know, I'm in the place now where I'm the woo-woo person and I'm the crazy person who's saying, Oh, so yeah. your leg is hurting. Well, okay. Why? <laughs> like beyond the hurt. And it's so funny um, when you were talking about, you know, the knees and, and, and what you started to see and my husband has issues with his knees and he tells me ever, and I notice this pattern whenever he gets upset or really stressed out or really overwhelmed, those knees are like, and you know, and what's been interesting is he's definitely, he was, he's, He's on the cusp of, I think, understanding the whole mind-body-spirit connection the more I talk about it. However, I, you know, I want to, and then, sorry, mm -hmm. just to go back, and then he says yep. to me, oh, this, the stress is making my knees hurt. And I said, yeah, so what are you going to do about the stress? Yeah. <laughs> That's where people get stuck. Oh, what do I do about the stress? How do I deal with the stress? How do I, you know, sit down and calm down and, you know, I, I do want to say on behalf of all of us who are now in this space, who now understand, thank you so much for the work that you've done. Thank you so much for still continuing to do it and still helping us learn and grow and, and move forward and still being someone that we can go to. Mm -hmm. And so when people come to you, uh, Dr. Miller, what can they expect? And is it easy to get an appointment or is there a long waiting list now? <laughs> No, it's pretty easy, actually, at, at this particular point in time. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, the, the easiest way to remember is to just remember Dr. Miller, because my website is drmiller.com, drmiller.com, and everything is laid out in, in detail, um, both in terms of people, if they should want to see me in person, mm -hmm. um, or 
if they want to um, learn a little bit about the audio cassettes that I have and the other self-healing um, tools that I've created, and they're they're available for an extremely small amount of money, especially since all you have to do is you know push a button, <laughs> it will be downloaded to your computer within thirty seconds, and you can begin. So you don't have to. In the old age, you had to wait to you know get an appointment drive your car across town through the traffic wait in the waiting room and come in no you push a button hi here i am <laughs> <laughs> with that wonderful voice of yours which was you know i heard it right away when i started to, doing a little bit of my research i'm like oh that voice yeah. that's a radio voice amongst uh, many other things <laughs> yes yeah, yeah um so this has been such a wonderful experience thank you so much for sharing and you know i am certainly you know inviting those who are you know really interested in working with with dr miller to go to his website check it out make an appointment you get to hear that voice in person <laughs> or directly for you it's it's wonderful uh and you know we really appreciate really we do i'm saying a collective we for those yeah. who haven't, who don't know who you are, who now understand, oh, you know, the, the, what you've created for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Well, um, how about if I just take a minute or two and give a people just a tiny bit of a taste? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to say no to that, Dr. Miller? <laughs> <laughs> so. So first of all, just let yourself be in a comfortable position, sitting or lying down, whatever is comfortable in which you don't have to do any work to support your body. You're not hanging on to a pen or a glass of wine or anything. Choose a point in the distance to let your eyes focus on, because I want you to notice that the only thing you can see clearly is that which you're focused on. Everything else sort of fades out into a blur and that's fine because this is your selective awareness or your mindfulness beginning to work for you and as you look at that point take a deep breath in and as you let that breath out let it be a feeling of letting go and gradually you'll notice that even the point that you're looking at kind of slips out of your mental focus sort of like when you're daydreaming and staring off into space, but you're not really looking at what your eyes are focused on. And then your eyes may give you a signal that they would prefer to be closed. You feel them just gently closing. Take a deep breath in as you let your eyes close as you breathe out. If they're not already closed, allowing your eyelids to close. And then just simply notice your breathing. With each breath out, think to yourself the words, it breathes me. It breathes me. And feel how each new breath begins itself. And notice at the end of the breathing out, there's a little pause before the next breath starts itself. That little pause is the quietest time of all for all your mind and body. Let yourself sink into that pause after you breathe out. 
and feel that little spark of energy that starts the next breath in. And think of that spark of energy as a spark of life, like a golden light that flows into you as each new breath breathes you. And each breath out empties your body of stress and tension. And let your eyelids relax down to the point they don't want to open at all. And when you can feel that relaxation in your eyelids, gently test them. And as you do, let that feeling of relaxation flow from your eyelids throughout all the rest of your body, into your forehead and your scalp, like little ripples flowing outward from a stone thrown into the silent surface of a still mountain pond. Ripples of relaxation through all the muscles of your face. Your jaw muscles relax and your upper and lower teeth gently drift apart. Let it flow down through your neck and your shoulders and your arms, all the way down to the tips of your fingers. And when the relaxation reaches the tips of your fingers, take a deep breath in and draw the relaxation up from your fingertips through your arms into the center of your chest. And as you let that breath go, let it be a complete feeling of release. And let the next breath in relax your chest and your back. And feel the relaxation flowing through your abdomen and your pelvis, down through your thighs and your knees, through your legs and your ankles and your feet, down to the tips of your toes. And notice how relaxed you're beginning to feel. And while you're feeling this relaxed, I'm going to ask you to think about something very pleasant and wonderful for you. Maybe a beautiful place that you went on vacation. You might have been praying in a temple. It could have been taking a, a walk on the beach or swimming in the water. Or it might have been being with someone you love. Could have been at the at that moment that you gave birth. What's the most wonderful point in your life you can recall at this moment? Imagine you're on a magic carpet and you can float back to this moment. Anytime any unnecessary thoughts come along, with your next breath out, breathe the unnecessary thought out through your nostrils and let your next breath in. Breathe in fresh, clear relaxation as you travel to this very pleasant scene. And allow yourself to be in this scene. And if you can't think of an actual scene, then just make one up. The most relaxing place, the most peaceful, wonderful place you could ever imagine being. Good and give a name to this place, and notice the feeling that you're feeling. Continuing to empty your mind of all unnecessary thoughts. And give yourself a little signal inside. Maybe it's just squeezing two fingers together. And let that be an anchor, that any time you want to, you can pause for a moment, choose a point in the distance, let go and relax. Come back to your special place or any other special place that you have. 
Think of the name of this place, the name of this feeling, and give yourself that little anchor, squeezing those fingers together. And you can return here and feel your body release, your mind let go of unnecessary thoughts. And finally, ride your magic carpet forward into your positive future. Think of yourself at a fork in the road, and you're choosing that fork in the road that's going to take you to a lifestyle that keeps you in touch with the beauty that's inside you, that gives you the freedom to be the person that you came here to be, to discover the truth of why you're here and be that person, to feel joy and love. Imagine your body healthy, your mind clear, your face relaxed with a smile of joy, with love in your heart, and deep gratitude for the source of all these gifts. Step into this image and be that person now, because each time you picture yourself the way you really want to be, you become more and more this person because this is the person you already are down deep inside. Give yourself permission to be. And when you're ready, allow yourself to return to that place where your body is resting comfortably, gently coming back, bringing with you the relaxation and the most positive feelings that you've discovered. And then allow yourself to choose wisely as you choose the next thing that you want to do and the next and the next and the next. And when you awaken, let yourself awaken feeling refreshed and clear, comfortable. And take a moment and notice how comfortable you feel. <laughs> what a lovely smile. <laughs> well, what a lovely gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are very blessed to have you here with us today. Uh, and once again, if anyone wants to work with you and move forward and get all this stuff, please go to Dr. A Miller's website. Drmiller.com. It was easy to find. <laughs> Dr. Miller. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> that was lovely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It's wonderful meeting you, Nina. I wish you all the best. Oh, and... Thank you so much. I thank you so much. It was very exciting to have you as our first podcast guest. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste to you too. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on Healers Talk Healing. We hope you've been inspired and empowered on your holistic healing journey. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to continue learning and growing with us, don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. Your feedback and support mean the world to us. Remember, healing is a lifelong journey, and you have the power to transform your life in profound ways. Stay curious, keep exploring, 
and never stop believing in your own capacity for healing.